Rewind is brought to you by Press Play to Continue and recorded in the great city and state of Austin, Texas, also known as the live music capital of the world. It is written, produced, and edited by me, Corey Latimer. Now, if you'd like to show your support by keeping Press Play to Continue weird, head on over to my Patreon at pressplaytocontinue slash patreon.com. I sincerely thank you for your time, your love, and your generosity of showing me. It lets me know I'm actually going down the right path in life. Thank you. Now, on to the show. Episode 25. Crazy. Honestly. I um, I think I've said this pretty much in every episode, but I don't think... I didn't think I was going to make it this week as far as putting up an episode. But I'm glad I mustered up enough motivation to do so. So here we go. We are, in fact, going to be talking about Caddyshack today, folks. It was actually released on July the 25th of 1980 in about 656 theaters, and grossed in about $3.1 million during its opening weekend. Uh, you know, it actually went on to make $39 million, almost $40 million, okay? $39,846,344 to be exact in North America. The film was actually shot over an 11-week time span uh, during the autumn of 1979, because it was actually released in, uh, like I just stated, 1980. Uh, directed by Harold Ramis, you know, actually some of his claim to fame moments are Ghostbusters in 84 and then actually the sequel to Ghostbusters, which hit uh, theaters in 89. Uh, he played Egon Spin- Spingler, I think that's right, Spingler. Um, yeah, it's been a while since I've actually seen the Ghostbusters, but there's another uh, podcast topic I could eventually direct myself into. Um, he also actually directed many National Lampoon titles, uh, including Vacation, and then as well as the Animal House uh, National Lampoons. That was with John Belushi. Uh, and I hate to admit it, I've actually never, I've never seen that movie, ever. Um, but I, I'm, I think, I've been like on this, by the way, <laughs> I've been like on this crazy like buying a movie spree. Uh, cause there's like so many good deals at the moment, uh, especially if you own an Xbox, uh, that's what I've been mainly getting my movies for, uh, off of. And it was, it's been a bunch of them been like five bucks. Like the big Lebowski was like five bucks and, uh, Tropic Thunder and Napoleon Dynamite and just all these movies. And eventually I want to get to these, uh, movies, uh, and further episodes if I can, Continue on with Press Play to Continue, which I'm hoping I can. So there you go. Like I said, this week has been, uh, it's been a tough one on me, but um, I'm getting through it. And uh, I feel like I'm in good spirits again. I'm actually, that's one of the main reasons why I'm actually able to record right now is because I finally like just do it and just get it over with so you can make it live and people can hear it and they can stop bothering you for the episode. <laughs> but let's see. So yeah, pretty much <laughs> that was a complete, wow, I, co- I totally went off topic right there. But anyways, 
So, yeah, Harold Ramis, he was actually a longtime collaborator with Bill Murray. And another thing, too, with uh, Caddyshack, when I was doing, when I was, like, you know, researching everything uh, on Caddyshack, there was, like, there was a lot of falling outs, like, with between actors and in particular with Harold Ramis and Bill Murray. Um, it's they pretty much had a falling out during the filming of Groundhog Day, um, which Ramis attributed to issues that Murray had on his own life at the time. Now, they almost did, they didn't speak for like almost twenty years, which is completely insane. But I could see why that could happen because it's happened to me recently, most recently within the past year with a couple of people I used to know. So. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but they did, however, eventually make amends with one another before Ramos actually passing away, unfortunately, in 2014. But what Caddyshack does so well is not necessarily make you laugh right away, but it sets you up to be on the, the dance floor of comedy relief eventually, which is very cool. It's a very cool way to uh, bring comedy I don't, I don't like it thrown at me or forced upon me. That's another thing, too, like with comedy movies in particular. Like this one doesn't force anything on you, which that's, the, I think, in my mind, the perfect idea of how to go about uh, uh, having comedy on your, you know, within your franchise or whatever you're doing in a sense. Or even if you're like an audience member, um, you know, just that's such a great thing, I think. Um, but yeah, you're not really sure what next scene, uh, you're going to be encountering next, which is another thing too. That's what I, that's what I like about this movie a lot. So like, take for instance, <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Havocam. No, Mr. Havocam, the, the green's right over there. It's that way. Look, sir, just, just bend a little bit that way and swing away and just straight up. It's fine. Great. It's like the old 80-year-old couple that, you know, they decided to have a round of day golf. And as the audience, you know, you're going to laugh pretty much almost instantly, for me anyways, because seeing Mr. Havocam about to swing off on, you know, in the wrong direction on his next shot or seeing Mrs. Havocam enjoying herself, regardless of how much she sucks, I kept rewinding this scene over and over and over and over again just because <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. It's so great. And, like, I'm probably, once I get done with everything after recording this particular episode, I think I'm just going to go in there and just um, throw in the uh, this scene so you all can hear it because it's pretty good. Whoever wrote it, well, obviously, I guess Harold Ramis wrote it, uh, because he also directed the movie, yeah, as well as he uh, was a co-writer within this movie. And the, that's another thing, too. I'll, actually, I'll just mention this later, because I do have it. I do want to bring this up eventually, and it ties, ties in uh, this particular topic a little bit better uh, later on through the episode. But yeah, it's just... Seeing that, it just, it just brings me a lot of joy. And um, the film 
actually has a cult following and was described by ESPN as perhaps the funniest sports movie ever made. Which I probably will have to agree with. I mean, there's sports movies out there. There's like Major League. I mean, it's funny. But something about Caddyshack, just that that, that 80s feel to it, and uh, early 80s feel, rather. Something special. It's uh, pretty amazing. And then actually Dan, Danny Noonan, he's like the main protagonist. I guess he's like the, yeah, the character that you mainly fall in, in Caddyshack. There's all these other side characters too, which I'm about to bring up as well. But played by Michael O'Keefe, works as a caddy at the upscale Bushwood Country Club to earn enough money to go to college. Now Danny caddies for Ty Webb, who is played by Ch- uh, Chevy Chase. Funny guy. You know, he's actually like the kind of like the suave and talented golfer and the son of one of Bushwood's co-founders, um, Chevy Chase's character, Ty. But da- Danny tries to gain favor with Judge Schmales, <laughs> who is played by Tom Knight. I love that character. He's really hilarious. Judge Schmales. Absolutely. Just, the, just the, his last name, Schmales. <laughs> the country club's stodgy co-founder and the director of the caddy scholarship program by caddying for him, Danny Noonan. That's kind of what he did eventually. Uh, he wanted to get on the good graces with the judge uh, because of this particular scholarship program. And that's really the basis of the movie. That's the idea of it anyway. It's like this lighthearted classic 80s comedy romp uh, that takes place on a golf course pretty much. I don't know if you haven't seen Caddyshack, but it's definitely highly, highly recommended. Um you know, if you ever get an opportunity to, which at this very moment now, let's see, what's, what is today? Wednesday? And it is like, what, the 20, 22nd, excuse me. <laughs> I don't even know what day it was. Um, yeah, so definitely you, have, you should have time now. Everybody's in self, self-isolation, excuse me. And um, take some time, watch some Caddyshack, enjoy it. Enjoy that groundhog. So that that takes me to uh, Rodney Dangerfield. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Yeah! Okay, you can owe me. That his, actually, his real name, Rodney Dangerfield, is Jacob Rodney Cohen, who is known for his one-liner humor and his catchphrase. I don't I don't get no respect. What's going on? I don't get no respect. That's how he says it anyways. But he's, pl- he's played the uh, philanthropic uh, Al Cervic. Had a much smaller role, but because he and fellow cast members Chevy Chase and Bill Murray proved adept at improv, their roles were greatly expanded during filming, You know, much to the actual chagrin of some of their castmates. His appearance in Caddyshack led to starring roles in Easy Money and Back to School, for which he served as co-writer. His Actually, his character is portrayed as well in, in Caddyshack, Rodney Dangerfield. It's, it's mainly him. He's playing himself, uh, which is, I guess it made it easy on him, but I don't even know what you would necessarily call that. It's not necessarily called typecasting because that's something else entirely different, but just playing your, playing your real-life self in a movie, uh, yeah, I don't know. Even though he, he had a different character's name, uh, Al Cervic, but... I just think he actually played himself. <laughs> I always see him this way, so it 
only made sense. And of course, we come to the oddball groundskeeper of Bushwood, Carl Spackler, who is of course played by Bill Murray. This young Cinderella, who's come out of nowhere, he's got about 350 yards left. He's going to hit about a five-iron expect, don't you think? He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left, and he's got a... Looks like he's got about an eight iron. This crowd has gone deadly silent. Cinderella story, out of nowhere. A former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! And that's another career that actually took off from this film. There's a lot of, lot of guys from this film that actually their careers started taking off after uh, making Caddyshack, which is pretty incredible. Uh, everybody loves Bill Murray. You know, what more can you say about him? And actually, Tiger Woods uh, said he liked the film so much that he wanted to uh, do a deal with American Express. And he actually they, he made a commercial with American Express uh, and he's actually portrayed Spackler uh, in the in the commercial. It's actually pretty good. Uh, if you ever have a moment, go watch that on YouTube. Um, but yeah, Murray actually improvised much of the Cinderella story scene, which I'm probably going to put another sound clip in, just, just so you can hear it if you haven't seen the movie. But knowing that it was improvised, that is uh, pretty telling on how how appreciated that Bill Murray can be as an actor. It's pretty incredible. really is. Um, but yeah, he, that actually, that scene, uh, based on two lines of stage direction by Ramus giving him to act as a child for one, and then Murray hit flowers with the hoe while fantasizing aloud about winning a major golf tournament. And that's the other, but Murray would, was with the actual production only six days, which is, that's another impressive thing, I think, in my mind, anyways. Actually, all of his lines were unscripted throughout the entire movie. That just shows you how, uh, how well he does his comedy, you know? I don't hear that about a whole, whole lot of actors. Um, I don't know. I probably have to do my research on this, but I would, I would almost want to say, or bet, rather, that uh, Chris Farley is po- probably the same way. But I'll have to eventually get into Chris... Farley movies eventually, but, uh, you know, that's, I mean, I don't know what more else to say other than that it is, in fact, impressive. Murray had to go back to Saturday Night Live, record his lines, you know, be at there, obviously, I think back then they actually aired on Saturday Night Live, but I think they do pre-recording now, I think, if don't hold me to that, but I think that is the case now. But, yeah, he had to go back. He had to bounce back and forth. So this was actually taking place. This Caddyshack, the film, was taking place in Florida. And from what I read, another thing that, too, was Ramus didn't want any Florida trees, or palm trees, rather, uh, filmed within this movie because he wanted to have it depicted as, like, a almost kind of like a north, uh, kind of western type of a setting, I guess, in a sense. So another little factoid there for you. But yeah, I just, that's another thing too. He had to always had to constantly bounce back and forth between each job. And actually before this, it wasn't even intended for him to have a role in this movie at all. But 
uh, come to find out, Ramis really wanted him to be a part of the project uh, with Chevy Chase uh, because he saw like a, a nice camaraderie between the two. And it, actually, he was right. It, it worked out tremendously well uh, for this movie. And actually, in particular, uh, the scene that begins with Chevy Chase and Ty, he, Ty Webb, you know, golf, his, actually his golf ball crashes into Carl Spackler's shack was not in the original script at all. It was added by, uh, like I just stated, Harold Ramis after realizing that the two biggest stars of Saturday Night Live at the time, uh, they actually had a feud between uh, Bill Murray and Chevy Chase as well. That was another feud. I guess uh, it's kind of hard to collaborate when you have such talented actors at the time that had that could provide so much comedy. And I'm sure they were both really wanting to present themselves as the funniest guy on set, maybe. I have no idea. I don't know why there were so many clashes, but that's what I can come up with anyways. And, um, yeah, so there was, a, there was a major feud between the two, but they finally were able to tolerate one another uh, long enough in order to, you know, set up the actual scene. So the whole thing, that whole scene was, in fact, uh, another improvised moment, uh, if you will, which is, I, I didn't even realize this, uh, going actually into Caddyshack, realizing that much of the movie, 50%, if not more, was, in fact, unscripted or improvised, rather. And moving on to Sydney Morgan was another... Uh, cast member on the set, and that was actually the girl that got topless with, uh, like I said said earlier, protagonist Danny Noonan. Um, yeah, she, uh, she is pretty hot. <laughs> and actually, she uh, got with Chevy Chase, too, like her character, Ty, uh, Ty Webb, got with him. And um, this, uh, and that's, uh, that's another thing, too. That's uh, the granddaughter of Judge Schmales, Schmales, if I'm saying that correctly. Um, so, uh, Judge Smales too, just kind of going back to him just briefly, I think, like I said, I think he's played by Tom Knight. Um, but the way, (laughs) the way he interacts with just anybody on set or like within the movie rather, (laughs) like, I don't know if any other actor could really play this part as well as he did. I don't know. It'd be really tough to top this performance. And uh, apparently, just here recently through the grapevine, that uh, they're in talks of maybe even remaking this movie, which I'm like, no. I'm like, I do not want that. I cringed when I read that. Um, I hope they leave it as, how, you know, as is and just move on from this. And, um, but anyways, uh, yeah, I see it. I'm going off on topic again. <laughs> But, oh, yeah, Sydney Morgan, just, you know, she had that ma- massage scene with Chevy Chase, and it, that was, in fact, another improvised moment um, where he, like, douses her with all this oil, and she, like, shouts, you're crazy, you know? Um, all these improvised moments, I don't, I don't know. I just like hearing that. Uh, just kind of going back to my Office Space episode, even, too, there was a lot of moments that were improvised. I'm, I'm cu- I am curious. Like, uh, with, especially, like, I think you can do that probably better in comedy movies than any other genre, but I, I think, I think that's a pretty cool additive if you can, uh, you know, make it happen for the movie itself. If you have to, like, I don't know, it just doesn't come on, like, come off as real. That's probably why they do it to begin with. 
But um, yeah, and actually, in anticipation for this movie, the Kenny Loggins single "I'm All Right" was released nearly three weeks before the movie actually opened and became a top ten hit within before the movie even came out. So that only helped the movie uh, perform better, uh, having Kenny Loggins backing them. And there was, in fact, a sequel to Caddyshack in 1988, which did poorly at the box office and is considered one of the more worst sequels of all time, actually, that, uh, uh, according to Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it. I, I might see it, maybe if it's free, but I don't know if I'll buy it. <laughs> But I guess to conclude this episode, we come to John Barman's portrayal of none other than the obnoxious rich kid grandson, Spalding Smales. Spalding, get dressed. You're playing golf today. No, I'm not, Grandpa. I'm playing tennis. You're playing golf, and you're going to like it. What about my asthma? I'll give you asthma. Double turns. Spalding. I want a hamburger. No, a cheeseburger. I want a hot dog. I want a milkshake. I want potatoes. You'll get nothing and like it. You're going to eat your fat. Spalding. <laughs> Spalding. <laughs> oh, man. I, I can't get enough of this character. John had a little more than a handful of lines and scenes in this movie, and they were all priceless. Him playing Spalding Schmales, John Barman's. But... John actually explains in an interview that he has no idea of how he landed the role of Spalding. And when he was asked about the ad-libbing and improv on set, John explained that about 50 of it, like, like I was stating just earlier, 50 of it was scripted, about 50 of it was actually improvised. Uh, coming from him, I mean, that just uh, reinforces the actual issue. So the scene where they were all, you know, at the food stand was improvised as well. You know, where Judge Smale says, you'll get nothing and like it. <laughs> He's like, I want, I'm trying to remember what he says. He's like, I want a hamburger with no cheese. I want a hot dog. I want a milkshake <laughs> when they're like walking up to the food stand. I couldn't stop laughing at that, uh, you know, especially the first time seeing that uh, particular scene. But, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. And other than the fact that actually John Barman, like I just stated, the guy that played Spalding Schmales, that this was his only movie, by the way. Um, so he was just a one-and-done kind of a guy. He had done, you know, acting before this, but uh, he never had the desire to do it again after Caddyshack, which is crazy to me. I don't know. Once you're kind of in that, that mode... You know, you've gotten to this point. You you were able to act with you know Chevy Chase and Bill Murray. That's that's crazy. But then just cut ties with it after 1980. Okay, <laughs> I I would have kept going because that that would let me know that I'm like okay, I'm actually getting somewhere within this particular industry and I can actually advance. But I don't know. To each his own, I guess. But I. I know I've been slacking with Press Play to Continue, and I do apologize for that. I honestly really do. That's another thing, too. For instance, yesterday, I'll be, uh, let's just be honest with one another at the moment. I had, I had about eight, eight beers yesterday. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you about that. That's probably wasn't a good uh, call to, to, to make. 
especially on my day that I do, you know, upload my podcast. And now here we are a day late and it's Wednesday. So in a sense, if this was like a, you know, like a piece of homework, I guess I would, I'd be getting an F or marked as a zero, (laughs) which has happened before in the past. I mean, I wasn't like the greatest of students in high school, but I mean, I did, I did manage. Um, I did okay. And I can at least read, I think, which is good and write and um, drive, apparently, (laughs) because that's my real job is with FedEx still, but hopefully that'll eventually change. But anyways, yeah, here I am once again, getting off on a topic. But thank you again for wanting to tune in. It's been a really difficult and, you know, trying time to get myself motivated lately. Uh, But I guess since we really can't do anything at the moment, it makes it a lot tougher talking about self-isolation and all that kind of jargon. And I really hope the gyms open back up soon because... That's where I exert a lot of my energy, but now it's tough, and I actually am starting to hate it a lot. Um, I can only do so many push-ups in my tiny apartment, um, but hopefully they can open back up soon. I honestly do. Hopefully they will. I'm crossing my fingers. <sighs> I honestly don't know how much self-isolation I can take anymore because uh, I, I am a recluse, but I at least need something other than, you know, just going to work and then coming home and then doing a repeat on that. I need like the trifecta again. I need that gym. <laughs> so let's all just hope and wish that we can have the the gym at least open back up soon. Because I know a lot of people were actually really getting into it. Me being one, because uh, I had uh, I did such a hiatus with that for a while. And then I, you know, it's funny because I got back onto the gym for like two weeks I was like grinding it you know going back in it getting it hitting it and then two weeks and then bam that's when uh, Trump issued the uh, national emergency um, to stay indoors and and that's the actually the same day I went up to HEB and uh, food was flying off the shelves so I'm hoping you can you know whoever's listening can find food still I, I can for now, but, you know, I don't know how much longer this will last. Um, here I am rambling once again. And I can only watch, I, you know, that's another thing. Too. I can only watch so many movies and play so many video games. Uh, I'm actually, you know, completing a lot of movies and playing a lot of games. I'm, I don't know. It's, it's nice because I get to watch all these movies, but, like, you can only do that for so long. Uh, But anyways, always, always be kind and rewind. Thank you. Rewind, as a product of Press Play to continue, the show is produced by me, Corey Latimer. You can find me on Instagram at Corey with an E-Y and my Snapchat, C-O-R-E underscore L-A-T-I-028. As you know, all things Press Play to continue are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash pressplay to continue. I'm internally grateful for your time, your love, and your support. Thank you.
something? Sure thing. Shoot, Timmy. Danny. Danny. When you were my age, did you ever have trouble deciding what you wanted to do with your life? <laughs> no, I never had that problem, really. Why? Forget it. I didn't think you'd understand. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. I don't know. 